Hello, and welcome to the Green Leads Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. Today we have a really awesome guest who's chatting all about a topic that has become very popular in the nutrition space. I talked to Alyssa Rumsey all about intuitive eating. Alyssa is a registered dietitian, nutrition therapist, and certified intuitive eating counselor. And she's also the author of Unapologetic Eating, Make Peace with Food and Transform Your Life. She is really passionate about advocating for women to reclaim the space to eat and live unapologetically. She's the founder of Alyssa Rumsey Nutrition and Wellness, which is a weight-inclusive nutrition practice that offers virtual counseling and online programs to help people liberate themselves from dieting and create a healthy relationship with food. She calls New York City home just like me, and she is a media expert and knows everything you've ever wanted to know about intuitive eating. So we chatted all about what exactly intuitive eating is, what it means to be anti-diet, how athletes can follow intuitive eating practices and whether or not it works in that sports nutrition realm, how someone can start with intuitive eating, and then she talked about her book and what you can find in there. This was a really interesting talk. And for anyone who's struggled with diets in their lives and wants something different, wants to learn about something that doesn't have you follow food rules, that isn't a restrictive diet plan, you really wanna learn more about intuitive eating. So I'm excited for you to listen to this. I'm gonna jump into that chat right now. Hi, Alyssa. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Natalie. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for jumping on. I'm really excited to talk about what you do, which is essentially you live in this intuitive eating space, which is a really, really interesting uh, nutrition world that's blossoming. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting some more about it. So just to start off, can you tell me a little bit more about kind of your background and what sparked your interest in intuitive eating? Sure, sure. So, well, I've been a dietitian for 12 years now. And when I first, or when I was training to be a dietitian, it was a very weight-centric um, education system. It still is in most most nutrition training programs where the focus was really put on you know, weight as an accurate measure of health. And no matter kind of what the health condition was like, oh, if we help people lose weight, then they'll be healthier. And also a lot on, on education. And like, you know, I was taught and really believed like, okay, if I just like teach people, you know, what's in their food or teach them what they should or shouldn't do, then they'll be healthier. And, you know, over the, the first, you know, five, six years of my career, I was mostly working in a hospital setting. But then as I transitioned into my own practice, so I own my own business, I have a virtual private practice where I work one-on-one with people. And as I transitioned into that about six years ago, I pretty quickly realized like, okay, this in theory, this sound, this makes sense, but, um, and it might help people and work kind of short term, but I was finding that people were coming back to me. Like, they're like, okay, we worked together for like three months or like six months. Um, but then like a year or two later, they'd come back and be like, oh, like, you know, the weight came back on I need your help again. And this happened for a while. And then, you know, I stumbled upon this course on intuitive eating. And at the time I was doing a lot with mindfulness and mindful eating and, you know, considered myself someone who was like, no, 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 this isn't not diets. I don't like restrictive diets. 
But when I took this course on intuitive eating, I, it really opened my eyes to this other world, um, that is just not taught in our schooling. It's starting to be a little bit more now, but, um, that's really not taught and all of this research and it just completely shifted the way that I thought about food personally. Um, but also in terms of working with, with clients. Um, and so it was one of those things, I think, you know, I had had my own experience of having some disordered eating and kind of struggling with, with that when I was, um, in my teens and twenties and I had kind of naturally worked on that or like healed that, I guess you could say, um, without really meaning to during my twenties, just as a function of where I was in life and the people I was around. Um, and so when I learned that, Oh wait, this is a thing. And then I looked back at my own eating and I was like, this makes so much sense. And this also makes sense. Why what I'm doing with, with clients of like education and putting this focus on weight, why it's not really working long-term. Yeah. And it, it's interesting what you said before about mindful eating versus intuitive eating. And those are kind of two different things, which leads me into my question. I know it's not that easy to answer this, pinpoint it down, but what exactly is intuitive eating for someone who's never heard of this before? Sure. So intuitive eating is the intuitive eating. The framework is something that was developed by two dietitians back in the mid 1990s. Um, and there sits on, there's a book called intuitive eating and they're on their fourth edition of that, that actually just came out, um, last year in 2020. Um, but really intuitive eating is like, I always go back to like, let's start with babies, right? Like when we're born and when babies are eating, we're not born with these judgments of like, oh, this is a good food. This is a bad food. This is healthy. This is not healthy. This is a quote, like proper portion, or this is too much like babies and small children. They will eat when they're hungry. They stop when they're full, assuming that they live in a household where there's, um, you know, enough food and a variety of food and they're offered a variety of food. They will naturally balance out what they eat on a day-to-day -day basis, um, like over the course of a week without any outside interference. You know, and I see this with, I have a niece and nephew who are now four and I saw this, you know, with them when they were babies and then when they started eating, um, when they were toddlers, like they loved all kinds of foods. They loved to eat, but what and how much they ate varied from day to day you know, and so there'd be days where I'd feed them, you know, these one of their favorite foods and they would just take a few bites and then be like, okay, I'm done and go play. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, like, or the next day or two without fail, like they would make up for that and they would eat like everything and like keep asking for more. And so I think this just speaks to, you know, how we are born with this inherent ability to be able to, we have hunger signals, we have fullness signals, we have these signals that tell us like what we need, when we need, how much we need in terms of food. Um, but then as we get older, this society and this culture that we live in kind of conspires against that and causes a lot of disconnection between this like natural inherent body trust. Um, and so intuitive eating is really about getting back to that. So, you know, most people that I work with through generally a combination of factors have gotten to this place where, you know, most of what decides like what they're going to eat, when they're going to eat, how they're going to eat is based on external factors, not internal. So external meaning like, oh, well, I should have this because this is better or I should do this because this is good or having the quote bad food and then beating themselves up about it. 
or like, oh, well, that's too much, or oh, I'm trying to stay under this calories. And it's completely disconnected from our bodies and like what our bodies are saying. And so the intuitive eating framework, as you know, uh, developed and defined by these two dietitians, really it's a made up of 10 different principles, which are not specific rules, but are really ways in which people can get back in touch with this inherent, you know, knowledge of what their body needs and be able to trust that and not second guess, you know, their food choices or not feel guilty or not, um, you know, kind of like go through this cycle of like, okay, I'm doing what I need to do, but then, oh, I fell off the wagon and now I feel guilty and now I got to like get back on. So really like, pulling you out of that and being able to, to trust your body again. I wish you could see me cause I've been nodding my head so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have a 15 month old nephew and my sister and I are very close. So I see him a lot and she, he eats so well, he'll eat beans and hummus and things that you would never think a baby would eat, but some days he just doesn't want to eat. And she freaks out. And Aww. I always tell her, I'm like, I'm not a pediatric dietitian, but Yes, this, this is from what I've learned about how babies eat. They eat when they're hungry and they, and they don't eat when they're not hungry. So this is actually a good thing that he's eating a yeah. well-balanced diet when he wants to. And I think that's such a really interesting way to think about it that adults don't do that because of all the outside influences that are around us. So we kind of stray away from that. Um, it's interesting because I tend to think of nutrition in general as having a lot of rules and guidelines. And Honestly, I kind of like rules and guidelines. <laughs> I'm just that type of person. Does that mean that I wouldn't be able to follow intuitive, intuitive eating? Is it not right for me? Or am I just not really understanding it? Like, is this right for everyone? So, well, first of all, yes, I would say that, you know, intuitive eating, when we think about it as this like inherent knowledge and wiring that we're born with, Yes, like this is within everybody and it is for everybody and it can be done by everybody. Um, now, it, it can be difficult, you know, when there's been a lot of dis disconnection and getting back in touch to that, but it definitely is for everybody. Now, you know, I love this question about like, okay, I like rules and guidelines. What about that? <laughs> and I think like I would, you know, if I was working with you as a client, like I would turn that back to you and I'd be really curious to know like what is it about rules and guidelines that feels, feels good. Um, you know, what does it bring up if you don't have rules or guidelines? Um, and I think, you know, in conversations that I have with clients, cause this is very common, you know, and we can look at this with food, but also with so many other aspects of our life, having rules, having guidelines often makes us feel safe. It makes us feel safe. Cause it's like, okay, I know I'm doing the quote, like right thing. And I don't have to worry about if I am or not. Like, this is why, you know, diets and food plans and meal plans are so popular because you're literally being told, okay, just do this and everything will be fine. You know, whatever that everything is for you, whether that's weight loss, whether that's health, whether that's performance, like it's, we live in a world filled with uncertainty and so much is without our control, outside of our control. And what rules around nutrition and diets promise is this sense of control. And so it makes so much sense, like why that would be appealing. Um, but I think we also have to think about, okay, what about this is, you know, or how is this not helping me? You know, and I think what I see a lot 
is that it really disconnects people from their own bodies and um, it doesn't allow them to fully be able to kind of like stand in their power because they're like, well, you know, there's a lot of just this negative self-talk of like, well, if I don't follow these rules, then like, oh my gosh, I'm so bad. And like, I could never, you know, I don't have the willpower and there's no way I'd be in control. And just a lot of lack of self-trust and body trust around this. Um, I also think this is important to tie this whole concept of, of control and like wanting control back to the society and the culture that we live in, because, you know, we live in this society that is controlled by certain people, right? The people in power. And for those of us in the U S and most of Western world, that's always been men and that's always been white men. And so, you know, there are systems and structures put in place by the people in power so that they stay in power and so that others don't, right? Because like once you have power, like power, how it's structured in our society is like power over another person. And once you have power, like we're seeing this right now, like play out in the US, it's, you know, you don't want to get rid of it. Like it's hard to get rid of. It's hard to, you know, let go of that. And so I think, you know, us feeling second guessing ourselves, us feeling like, okay, we need to follow the rules. This keeps, like, when we look at groups of people, I'm not saying on an individual level necessarily, but I'm saying like, when we look at groups of people, when groups of people are following the rules set by those in power, that's what those in power want. Because they're like, okay, we have like this orderly society. So, you know, I just mentioned this, there's so much more we could talk about with that, but I just mentioned this to kind of tie this back to, it's so much bigger than just I don't have willpower around food or like I need rules. Like there's these bigger structures in place, but then it certainly plays out a lot when it comes to, you know, how we think about food and how we eat. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because I now in hearing your response, I'm thinking of the word that I use rules. And I'm almost thinking that that's not really even what I meant in a way. Cause I, so one of the things that I, I'm uh, like an example I was thinking of is I've been a vegetarian for a long time. I know that I need to eat protein with meals or else I will feel hungry 20 minutes later. (laughs) It's one Mm -hmm. of those things, but I think that's almost maybe kind of taking into intuitive eating that I've, I've, I've recognized what, how I feel, how this food makes me feel in a way. So is that, is that kind of, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that speaks to, I think there's a big misconception around intuitive eating of just like, oh, it's eat whatever I want, whenever I want. And no, you know, yes, you have permission to do that, but really at the end of the day, it's about using both your body knowledge and your brain knowledge. So body knowledge around like, okay, how hungry am I? What sounds good? But yes, your brain knowledge, which I think is what you just spoke to there of knowing like, okay, the last time I had this thing, it tasted great. It filled me up, but then I was hungry an hour later and that didn't feel so good. And I want to eat something that's going to, you know, I have a day today where I have only like a window for lunch and then I have a bunch of meetings. So I need to eat something that's going to last me for four or five hours. And I know if I have protein with the rest of my meal, that's going to do it. So that is a hundred percent intuitive eating. And I think, you know, the, the difference, there's often this line of like, you know, the outcome isn't necessarily the same versus from like internal knowledge versus external, right. Of like protein with your meal, like, okay, we're told like protein is good. And like, here you are being like, I'm having protein. 
um, but like the intention behind it. So your intention, what I'm hearing you say is like, okay, I know if I don't have protein, I'm going to be hungry again soon and I need to have protein. So it's more from this place of like self-care and taking care of your body rather than this like restriction or like a self-control. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. And that, that segues into the question, which I had next, which is, we haven't, we haven't used this term yet, but there's a large, uh, one of the premises of intuitive eating is being anti-diet. That's a big thing that's said in the intuitive eating space. And you had an Instagram post recently that I thought was really, really spot on. And I wanted to know more about it. And in it, you said, anti-diet does not mean anti-weight loss, anti-nutrition, anti-healthy, or anti-person who diets. I love that because I think there's a misconception that anti-diet means that anyone who's following intuitive eating and trying to lose weight in some way is is doing it wrong or or kind of something like that. So can you kind of explain more about this anti-diet and what you what you meant with that post. Sure. Sure. So, and I'm just going to read like the next part of that post. Cause I feel like that encapsulates it a bit. So yes, sure. not anti-weight loss, not anti-health, not anti-nutrition rather when we see this term anti-diet, what I mean by that. And what I know a lot of my other practitioners who might use that term, what we mean is anti this oppressive diet culture. So I just spoke a little bit to the systems anti the oppressive diet culture that causes us to feel less than and causes us to be made to feel like we need to use our time, our energy and money in order to, you know, lose weight or look a certain way in order to then, you know, have to do those things in order to be healthy and loved and accepted. Um, So it's not about, you know, anti-weight loss or anti-health It really just means these systems in place that cause people to feel so badly about themselves and cause them to disconnect from their body. Um, And, uh, and yeah, so, so we're all about, like, I'm all about body autonomy, right? Like you have the right to do whatever you want with your body. Um, And, but I think like what I'm about is like, okay, let's, like I want you to make an informed decision, right? So when we talk about like dieting and weight loss specifically or lots of other things, it's like, okay, an informed decision. Like what's happened when you've done this in the past? How has this gone for you? How has it potentially harmed you? How might it harm you? And like, you know, I think about like when you have like surgeries, you're making medical decisions or like, it's like an informed decision. But yet we live in this culture that's just like, oh, weight loss, good you know, fat people bad and like have to lose weight for health. And I'm here to be like, no, that's actually not the case. You know, it's actually not at all what the research says. That's not at all the evidence that we have. So, you know, what's going to best support if health is a priority for you, what is going to best support that? So if someone wants to lose weight for a reason other than because, the culture is telling them that they're fat and that's bad or that they just don't feel right because they're overweight, but they want to lose, say they want to lose weight because it's going to make them feel better or it's going to give them more energy. Is that in line with intuitive eating? I, I kind of get hung up on the weight loss thing because I know that a lot of people want to lose weight for health reasons but it's not necessarily 
intuitive eating doesn't always line up with that in a way. That's just my understanding. So mm-hmm. I think I'm trying to trying to rectify how weight loss and intuitive eating can go together. Is it just mm-hmm. about the mindset of why you want to lose weight? So here's the thing, right? So some people might start choosing to eat more nourishing foods, might choose to start exercising more, might choose to start listening to their body, and they might lose weight. Other people will do that and will be making like really positive health behavior changes and health decisions and behavior changes and don't lose weight. So the way we're kind of set up in this weight centric system is we look at this person who made all these positive health changes and we're like, Oh, but you didn't lose weight. So you're doing something wrong and you're not healthy, which is so not the case. Right. And so there's so much shame around this with people of, you know, they're making these really positive changes, but then they don't see any results. So then they're like, well, screw it. This isn't working. And then they go back quote, like off the wagon. Um, So I think that's why it's so important to kind of, um, you know, pull apart like weight and health, right? Because they're two different things. Um, and and I think too, you know, what is the motivation like under that desire for weight loss? It makes so much sense in this very fat phobic society that we live in that people would want to lose weight because, you know, we're promised all of these things with weight loss. We're promised belonging and acceptance and health and happiness. Um, you know, cause people in larger bodies, you know, when I use the term fat, I'm using that as a neutral descriptor, um, are kind of othered in, in society. Um, you know, there's a lot of weight bias in our society, so it makes so much sense. Um, but I also think like, okay, when you say weight loss, what do you mean? And, you know, I get some really fascinating answers when I ask people that, like, what are you hoping to change when you lose weight? And usually, It's something around, you know, well, I'd have more energy or my blood sugars would be better in control or I'd, you know, run faster or I'd be more flexible or I'd be able to go up my stairs without getting out of breath or, um, you know, I'd feel more confident, like all of these things. All of those things can be done whether or not your weight changes. Like we can, from a behavior change perspective, talk about energy, talk about running faster, talk about flexibility, talk about, you know, all of these different things, no matter what happens to your weight. So it's really just trying to, you know, it's not a bad thing if you want to lose weight, but a focus on weight often distracts us from really what's going on. And then we can feel a lot of shame if then our weight doesn't change. Okay. That is a really helpful explanation of it. Cause it's just saying like, don't focus on the numbers on your scale. And something I thought of while you were talking about that has nothing to do with nutrition is kind of thinking of measures of success. People, for instance, if someone asks, what would you like to be successful? And someone says, I want to make X amount of dollars, that maybe is really not going to make them happier or measure of success. But if someone says, I'd rather spend time with my family and be able to go on vacation and, you know, you kind of think of that as like, okay, maybe that actually is a measure of success for you that will make you happy. So I kind of think of it in the same way with weight. Maybe like you said, like you're having more energy, but the number on the scale is not really the way, what should be defining you in the end. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's such a great analogy there. And Um, yeah, I actually have a a blog post that's like 23 ways to measure progress because people are like, well, if you're not looking at weight, then what does progress mean? And oh my goodness, there's so many other things 
that it means. So I think it's really figuring out, yeah, like what is underneath that desire. Um, And then, yeah, just again, going back to that informed consent, like we have to be talking about things like these societal forces that are involved in the desire for weight loss and the really pretty dismal statistics about the efficacy of long-term weight loss. Um, And, you know, the pretty big list of negative side effects that come from this pursuit of weight loss and from the the yo-yo dieting or the weight cycling that happens to so many people of like gain and lose, gain and lose. Um, Along with, you know, what I mentioned of all this evidence we have that weight is not a good measurement of health. Um, So I think it's kind of taking in all of these things into consideration when someone is making a decision about Um, what they want to pursue. Again, like everyone has body autonomy, but I really feel that uh, this approach that, you know, we call like weight inclusive instead of weight centric, weight inclusive um, and intuitive eating being a framework that can be used with that is really just so, so freeing. Definitely. Yeah. And a lot of my, the people who listen to me and follow me are kind of everyday athletes. So some of them are trying to lose weight, which is why I wanted to touch on that. But some of them are trying to just fuel their activities. And, and I always say that sports nutrition is different than regular nutrition. And I kind of give people, I'm going back to those, this word of rules, because <laughs> there are kind of some rules in terms of sports nutrition about when to eat before a workout and after a workout. And maybe you're consuming some foods that you don't necessarily want like people take in gummies and goos during marathons that you, they wouldn't eat otherwise. Uh, so these are kind of like rules that we set forward for people to be better at their sport, perform better. Is it possible to practice intuitive eating and also kind of stick to these sports nutrition techniques? Oh, a hundred percent. There's actually some really amazing dietitians doing this work um, in the sports nutrition field. And again, I think this goes back to that like body and brain knowledge that we spoke about. So, you know, understanding like sports nutrition science helps with things like that, right? Helps with like practical hunger, for example, of like, okay, I'm not feeling super hungry right now, but I know I'm going for a run in an hour. And if I want to have enough energy to be able to perform well, I need to have something now. Um, or, you know, what you mentioned before, like including, including protein most of the time at meals, um, even if you're not specifically craving it because you know, you need that for recovery. Um, so all of that is totally in line. It's again, just, you know, I like to think about intuitive eating as this way that we can honor and respect and take care of our body by choosing food that our body wants and that our body needs um, and using the nutrition science piece from this place of taking care of ourself. Yeah. It seems like from what I've been talking about athletes fueling to perform or feel good while they're working out is almost kind of an intuitive eating principle. And I didn't even know I was doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I do think too, you know, um, there are a lot of a lot of athletes and or just a lot of like very active people who tend to have more of the like type A, like perfectionistic um, personalities. And so it can seem like, well, wait, like, no, I need to like, this is my regimen. This is what I'm doing. Um, but also, I think we need to be aware that, you know, 
those personality traits actually have a higher risk of disordered eating and eating disorders. And that is something that I think, you know, I mean, you know, this, right? Like that is something that really happens with a lot of athletes. Um, and just the, the negative effect that whether it's for, for weight loss or looking a certain way or having a certain, you know, body composition, um, that like those things right there don't necessarily affect performance. Right. Like, but if you're, um, trying for those certain things, these like external type markers, then that can really, uh, harm people. You know, there's, if you're not eating enough, there's increased injury risk, delayed recovery time, dehydration, difficulty, concentrating, decreased strength, like all of these things can come from, from restrictions. So I do think that that's important for, for active people to think about too. Yeah, absolutely. Eating disorders are very prevalent within the athlete space and not even some people are not full-blown eating disorders, but they, you know, restrict themselves too much. And like you said, can lead to injury and maybe they are looking at intuitive eating as a way to kind of change the way they're, they're thinking about food. And, and for anyone who does want to know more about this, or maybe they're like, I I'm really into this. I want to start doing this. Mm-hmm. It's hard almost. Cause it's, there's not like we talked about, there's no rules. So it's not like step one, do this step two, do this. So what do you do? How do you start with something like this? Yeah. Great question. So the, the OG intuitive eating book, I think is a great place to start. Um, it's like 15 bucks on Amazon. Um, and that really can give people like a lay of the land. And I think athletes and active people and non-athletes um, can really connect to a lot of the stories in there and really understand that more. Um, I'm also going to give a shout out to Kelly Jones, who's another uh, sports dietitian who uses intuitive eating. And I actually stumbled upon this recently. She did a series, I think fairly recently about like each of the 10 principles, but specific for performance. Um, so I think that would also, I'm happy to, to send you those links maybe for the show notes. Um, I think that would also be a great place to start there too. Um, and I think, yeah, just really even just shifting the, when you're making the decision of what to eat or when to eat, just taking a minute, even if it doesn't change what you're eating, just taking a minute to be like, okay, let me feel into my body. Like, how does my body feel right now? You know, what sounds good? You know, what am I noticing in my body? Um, And I just had this conversation with a client right before this uh, who just started with me. And there might be a long time where you're like, I have no freaking clue what I feel right now. (laughs) And that's okay. But if you are consistently doing that, you'll start to notice these small variations on a day-to-day basis. And that's really about, you know, reconnecting to that interoceptive awareness that I mentioned before and, and connecting more to those cues. So that is also a great place to start. Yeah. And I'll put everything we talked about in the show notes. And I think, uh, I think it's interesting what you just said, because I, I tend to do that. I tend to think about what do I need right now? What am I feeling right now? And sometimes I'm, you know, after dinner when you're, you're full and you're like, I don't need anything, but I still want this. And I, I end up eating that anyway. So I think that sometimes it's not always easy to listen to your body, but it takes time, right? I mean, this is not something that happens overnight. Right. Exactly. And I think too, it's this, you know, the more and more permission that you give yourself to eat. Yes. For a while, that will probably mean that you're eating a lot of the things that you've been restricting because they're exciting and they're new and your body's like, I don't know when they're going to let me eat this again. So I'm going to eat a lot of this, 
But really what um, you find is that, uh, and this is where the habituation piece comes in, you know, I liken it to like, right? Like I live in New York city. There are sirens all the time. I've lived here for 12 years. I barely hear them anymore mm-hmm. versus I have friends come to visit and they're like, Oh my gosh, Alyssa, like these sirens are so loud. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't hear anything. Um, the same thing happens with food. Like when we're really allowing ourselves to eat it from this place of like abundance and it's going to be here, I can have it whenever I want. We get to this place where it's like, okay, how do I feel right now? Do I want this? you know, yes or no. I know I can have this later if not versus this urgency of like, oh, I shouldn't have the cookie. I shouldn't have the cookie. Oh, I shouldn't have the cookie. Oh, I'm just going to do it. And then it's like, oh, well, screw it. I messed up. I'm just going to keep eating the cookies. Mm -hmm. Um, And really it's this, what causes us to feel out of control around food or to feel like we can't like stop ourselves from eating is actually restriction. Um, And even people are like, well, I'm eating, I'm eating whatever I want, whenever I want. And it's like, well, there's also this mental restriction place. And if you're beating yourself up for that, if you're feeling guilty, then your body is still getting this message of like, oh, they might not let me have this again. So better get it in now. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, your body is definitely telling you things that you may not even recognize. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another resource I want to talk about is you just wrote a book. Yeah. Um, it's called Unapologetic Eating, Make Peace with Food and Transform Your Life. Can you tell us a little bit about the book? Sure. Yes. So yeah, this book is basically based on, you know, the years I've spent working on my own relationship with food in my body and also through work with my clients. And the premise of the book is um, about half is about food, half is not really much about food because Really what I've found is um, when food can be this really powerful entry point to learning more about yourself and connecting more with yourself and really like figuring out what you want out of life. So I mentioned before how, you know, our society and our culture like puts these shoulds and supposed tos and all these things on us. Um, And working on your relationship to food can actually be this really amazing way of figuring out, like connecting more to just your intuition and trusting yourself in all these other areas of life. And this is what I've seen over the years with my work with my clients is as people questioned, you know, their beliefs around food and and diets and weight um, and like how certain foods made them feel. And as they connected more to themselves, they also started questioning and thinking about all these other like thoughts and feelings of in beliefs. Um, and then as they started to trust themselves more with food, they started to trust themselves more in other areas of their life. So really the book Unapologetic Eating is about going from trying to like fix or control yourself with food, your body, to this place of being able to eat what you want, when you want, how you want in a way that feels supportive for you without feeling like guilty or ashamed or feeling like you have to apologize. And then, you know, past that point, it's really, you know, one of the early reviewers of my book was like, this is unapologetic eating. It's also unapologetic living, you know, because really my goal is to help people figure out uh, what they want out of life and, you know, what living in alignment with their values looks like um, and then how they can do that. Sounds awesome. I can't wait to get my hands on it. And it sounds like it really, I mean, I wish everyone would listen to their bodies and we'd get away from crazy diets and we would eat according to how we feel and stop worrying about 
what culture says about weight and health and everything. I think overall we would be so much better off if that was the case. So I applaud you for putting this kind of stuff out there and writing books on this. And I'm glad that this is becoming more mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you giving me a chance to, to talk about that a little bit. Oh yeah, of course. And uh, this has been really fascinating. If people want to find you more, I know you, are super active on social and really have awesome things that you put up there. So do you want to share your handles and your website? Sure. So my website is alyssarumsey.com. So that's more information about me. Uh, alyssarumsey.com slash book is where you can find more information about the book as well as links to order. It's available February 9th, uh, everywhere books are sold. Um, and then Instagram is my social media hangout of choice. So I would love to, to hang with you there. My handle is at Alyssa Rumsey RD. Cool. Yeah. Everyone go follow her. She's really great on Instagram and I agree my social media of choice as well. So, yeah. uh, all right, Alyssa, thank you so much and chat again soon. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. And if you want to learn more from me, follow me on social media at Greenleets or visit my website at greenleets.com.